When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the creators of Wagertainment. We bring you none of the hot take BS. We bring you bets. We bring you sports. I don't care about bragging rights. It just introduces more volatility into the equation. I don't care about victory laps. Stop it. Please stop it. <laughs> Throw the football into the floor. The BetQL Network presents your favorite handicapper's favorite handicapper, Ken Barkley. If I have an opinion, I'm just going to go put money on that thing happening. And your host, Nick Costos. Every single play of every Every single game impacts you in some way, shape, or form. It's You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. Hour 2, You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. PJ Glasser filling in for Nick Costos alongside Ken Barkley. For the next two hours, we will be with you on Stadium. You can go to watchstadium.com. Check us out up until 6 o'clock Eastern time. Our pal Noops is going to join us 5 o'clock Eastern to talk some NBA. We're going to continue breaking down college basketball and looking at Lockentology. Some football news, however, from Mike Garofolo reporting the commanders are releasing tight end Logan Thomas. Sources say Thomas was due $6.5 million this upcoming season, including a 500000 roster bonus later this month. But the commanders are deciding to release the tight end. So there's some football news for you. Ken and I, you can listen to us on Sirius Channel 160, Sirius XM 205, also on twitch.tv slash BeckQL, YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports, and you can listen to us for free on the Odyssey app. Ken, before we went to break, I wanted to get your thoughts on Tennessee. I think they are a really interesting team because personally, I feel like I'm falling into the trap, Ken. I really do. I've watched Tennessee play a lot this year. That defense is still really, really good. Offensively, it feels different, and it feels different because of Dalton Connect. The big elephant, though, in the room is Rick Barnes as their head coach. And also, it's like, see, the beauty of college basketball and the beauty of March Madness is it feels like the perception around teams and who's like the trendy team, it changes like week to week, right? One week it's Iowa State, the next week it's Kentucky, the next week it's Purdue, and now it feels like there's really a ton of love for Tennessee. What are your thoughts on the Vols? And, I mean, why do you think it is that people, it seems like, are really high on this team, even though Rick Barnes has been terrible coaching the tournament? And, you know, we really don't talk that way about Purdue, kind of, because our feel with them is Matt Painter and how he does in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I think for, like, the the seasoned college basketball fan, like, they're going to group Barnes and Painter together as just, like, two teams, two coaches that they don't want to bet on in the tournament. But, yeah, like, it's it's funny. Like, Nick, who obviously is normally hosting, I, I usually gauge how – like the casual college basketball fan feels by what he's like dying to talk about the day that he comes on because it's like whatever we watched the night before or whatever the past couple of games are. And we literally did a segment yesterday where he's like, should we be considering Tennessee as like this team that could win the national championship? And so it's to, perfectly to your point, PJ. And it's not like that's not dumb or wrong or whatever. It's just a sign of what's happened recently. That's all it is. And to your point, like that is happening with Tennessee. 
I, I said the same thing yesterday that I'll just say now really quick with them. And we, I guess we should say for people that are watching on stadium, we're going to put some pretty crazy looking brackets on the screen for the next couple hours. These are like my simulated tournament results. So like what seeds would be, um, you know, as, as we're going to talk about Tennessee, they're the two in this fake region that we made. I promise you have not missed selection Sunday. This is not the NCAA tournament. Um, and Tennessee is the two in this fictional region that we've made up, which is why we're having this conversation. Uh, they are, I think they're capped ceiling wise. And uh, I, I'll say that about a lot of teams. I think I've said it about a few that we've done already. The They can win four, but not six. To me, Tennessee's there too. Make connect can be the difference maker for how I'm wrong. If he's just better than I think, better than kind of the other people that I talk to that like evaluate talent think. Um, maybe he's like that. Maybe he's like Carmelo Anthony or something would be, I guess, a good comp for a team that could take a, a, a player rather that could take a team that had never had any success in the tournament with a specific coach, like winning a title and then take them there. So Carmelo Anthony did with Syracuse who had come close a couple times, but never won it. Um, that's possible. But like my whole thing is like, if that's what you're banking on, then I'd bank on something else because it's more likely something else is going to happen. And that's what Tennessee feels to me. Just not, not, they're not like there are some teams that are not remotely talented enough to go far, like win the title. They could win four, but they could never win six. Like, you know, BYU, really good example, like a team that's going to be a pretty high seat. Like it's just it's not good enough. Like it's just not good enough. Right. It's good enough to win four. It's good enough to have a great tournament. But like we're talking about winner. It's not BYU. I don't think it's Creighton. Like, I don't think it's Alabama, which we talked about already. I don't think it's Auburn. I don't think it's Iowa State. Like, winner. Not win four games. Not like we're all talking about you for a while. And Tennessee, I think, is, again, they're in that group, and I don't think they can permeate the second group necessarily. But they're, the of all those teams I just mentioned, they're the closest to, like, well, I could be wrong. I just don't think I am. Whereas some of these other, Iowa State, these other teams, I'm like, nah, I'm pretty sure I'm right. Like, I kind of think I'm right about this. And Tennessee's that one that they're kind of bridging the two groups of teams. You got your, your super talented winners. You've got UConn, and you've got Houston, and you've got Arizona. And to a certain extent, you have Purdue, although I think they exist kind of in a weird gray area, too. And then you've kind of got like your talented teams that need to play up profile wise, Duke, Carolina, teams like that, where the talent is not in question. It's just like, how, how are you playing the season? Then you've got Tennessee. Tennessee's almost this is not a perfect comp because they've got connect and and this team doesn't have a guy like that. They they're a little Creighton-ish to me. We're like, man, that team's really good. But like. You're, you're starting like non NBA five guys who yeah. are just really good. <laughs> like you're just like, you're just really good. You're just really good. And that's okay. It's like good to be really good. Like I, you know, a lot of teams would love to be Creighton and would love to be Tennessee. And they kind of exist as this some order second level team, which for me would be like not a bet to ever win. And I said this yesterday, Tennessee's being priced like, they're the fifth most likely team to win. And so that they can never be a bet for me if that's the case, because the market is has them really, really, really rated highly. And uh, and I don't have them rated as highly. Ken, before we move on to the next uh, the next region, let's talk about Connecticut. Last time we were doing Locketology a couple weeks ago, we were talking about teams that could win it all. Mark Connecticut was coming fresh off of that huge win against uh, Marquette. And we were just you know, we were trying to figure out, like, is there anybody that can beat this team? Is there anybody that can hang with UConn? And obviously, since then, they've lost to Creighton. So we have seen them getting beat, seen them getting bat- beat badly. They're still the favorite, however. They've bounced back nicely since then from that loss. 
I thought something that you really said that that stuck with me from last time was you can't get worse from the previous year and win the tournament. It just doesn't happen. And obviously, Connecticut won it all last year. So with that loss to Creighton, did that change anything with how you feel about UConn for you? Are they still clearly the team to beat at this point as uh, as we're here on March 1st? Yeah, I think so, which I know is no fun. You know, if you want to bet into this market, like you you want me to say no. Like you want me to say like fade them, bet, bet these yeah. hundred to ones and we all get rich. It just doesn't, this late in the season, it, it usually just doesn't go that way. And even UConn last year, you know, because you'd be like, well, UConn last year was like 25 to one, 30 to one. Be like, yeah, that's like as good as it ever gets. And they were like fifth in Ken Palm entering the tournament or something, some preposterously high number. So like that's... I mean, that's not even an underdog. That's not even a long shot. It's like the fifth ranked team in the country won the tournament, something like that. Uh, last year, they were fourth entering the tournament in efficiency margin. So just, I mean, really, like one of the best teams did win last year, even if they're a four seed and the price was a little longer. Um, they still one of the best teams won. The Creighton loss to your question, like, I mean, it, it hurts as much as a loss can hurt. But, you know, responded and like beat like blew out Villanova the following weekend. And, and you know, I think they're going to be fine. Uh, yeah, what I said last week, too, like they're just they're on more of a knife edge because I'm going to compare them to last year's team when I make a decision about whether to bet them or not. And if they pass this test of like playing through the regular season in the Big East tournament and they are able to put together a profile that's as good or better than last year's team, then I'm then I'm in. And Florida, this was the same thing when they won back to back. Like you don't like the, the team you field can't be a worse version than last year's and you just win. Um, there's just the history bears that out. You have to at least be as good as you were the previous year to win the NCAA tournament as a rule. And UConn's they're doing it right now. They are just as good, if not better than they were last year. The players have changed, <laughs> but uh, but the NBA talent is still there. The depth is still there. The performance is still there. So for now, all good. Um, but, you know, if we get uh, they got a really, really interesting rematch game with Marquette coming up pretty soon where Marquette's going to be like probably hoping that it goes a lot better than the game uh, in. I guess I was in Hartford when they played uh, a couple weeks ago. So like there's ways it can still go down for them. But for yeah, for me, it's like entering if it looked like it looks right now entering the tournament, everything like let's say we just started the NCAA tournament tomorrow, which would be amazing for a lot of reasons. Then, yeah, UConn would be the most likely team to win for me by a pretty good margin with Houston and Arizona kind of alongside them, but not quite as good. And again, like that really closely mirrors the market that even the one that you see on the screen right now, if you're watching on stadium, like the market kind of has that that way, too. So it doesn't yeah. it doesn't make it the best. At, look, there there'll be a lot of games to bet regions we don't know what the paths are going to be things can get shaken up here but just like this isn't this isn't great right now <laughs> like the way this is the way this is going you almost would want you'd want UConn to stumble a little like it's almost like what creates a betting opportunity people got to get off some of these teams like something's got to like Arizona's got to take a dive here a little bit almost to use like a boxing term like they got a phantom punch like let's lose it let's drop a couple and uh and get people off this so the price is still good um just like that, that's kind of where I'm at with UConn right now. Do you, uh, we can, Mike, you can put the region back up on the screen for a second. You want to, before we move on to the second region, you want to like, like who, would you have UConn winning this region? Like before we move I on would. to the second one? I would. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually think their toughest game would come against Michigan state in the round of 32. Yeah. I, I think that game would be really tough, but Ken, let me tell you, Michigan state could definitely lose to Oklahoma. I mean, they, they certainly could. Um, 
But yeah, that that round of 32 game. Remember, when Villanova was trying to repeat, they went up against Wisconsin with Nigel Hayes and some guys that had been there a while. They lost that round of 32 game. A lot of times for that one seed, sometimes that round of 32, first game of the Sweet 16, those are usually kind of the games where the one seeds might be their most vulnerable. So that would be tough. But yeah, I mean, getting Wisconsin at Auburn as a 4-5 is a good draw. Obviously, Bamba the three that we talked about. I thought what you said about Gonzaga was was really interesting, and, and I do agree with you. Man, if this was the draw that they get, Washington State is the six, Bama is the three, and then, you know, Tennessee potentially is a two, I think they'll uh, they'll feel good. But yes, I uh, I'm with you. UConn would be in my final four as well. Moving over to intersection of sports and pop culture, Arizona <laughs> that's your favorite one. is the that's your favorite region. The intersection one. of sports and pop culture, yeah, that's where everybody sure wants is. to be. Yeah, IOSAPC. That's exactly right. Uh, so Arizona's <laughs> the one seed in this region, going up against the winner of Eastern Kentucky or Grambling. We have Northwestern and Texas in the eight nine game. Dayton, who's having a really good year, as Ken mentioned at the top of the show, they're the five seed against Will Wade and McNeese State. Illinois would be the four against Akron in a 4-13 game, which would be a really cool game because the head coach of Akron used to coach at Illinois. John Gross would be really cool. South Carolina is having an awesome year under their uh, first-year head coach, Lamont Paris. They're the sixth against Ken's Richmond Spiders in the 11. Baylor is the three against High Point, the 14. Colorado State, the seven against Virginia, the 10, and then the Kansas Jayhawks would be the two seed in this region going up against Colgate. Uh, Ken, let's start with Arizona. Let's start with the one seed because last time we were doing the show, you said there were two teams at this point, at that point in time that, that you liked, that you thought had a chance to win it all. UConn was one of those teams. Arizona was another one of those teams. When you were comparing Tennessee to Creighton uh, a, a couple minutes ago, I, I totally loved what you were saying about, like, there's just something that, like, kind of holds you back with those teams. That's how I feel with Arizona. Like, the metrics look good. Last, you know, when we were talking about it last time, everything you talked about with Caleb Love, it was so true. Their backcourt's great. Defense is good. Dominant big man. Um, Tommy Lloyd obviously stumbled last year in the tournament, losing to a 15 seed. But there's a lot to like with Arizona. It's just like I, there, there's something. There's something missing when I watch Arizona play. And I just, you can't quite put your finger on it, but it's like, the games that you feel like they should roll and kind of dominate, they don't. And, like, it's it's almost like you want them to fill. It's like the metrics have them as a really good team, but then you watch them, and it's like you don't feel like kind of the team you see matches up with the metrics that are on a sheet of paper. So, for me, I certainly think Arizona is vulnerable. With that being said, I mean, getting Kansas as a two-seed is is a huge deal for them. So, that helps. I think the five, the six, like there's some weak seeds in here, Ken, like South Carolina, Dayton, Colorado State, teams I'm really not high on. So I think the path is good for Arizona. Um, I don't know if they would be my final four pick. I might like somebody else. Um, but real quick, in about 30 seconds before we go to break, just your your initial thoughts on kind of Arizona at this point. Yeah, so in Arizona in this region, to your point, I think the point I'd make like if you can, people can see the region on their screen. We just talked about Yukon's region, and you, you heard yeah. the same point in both of them, which was just, man, like 
look at their path. And what this speaks to is just the middle seeds, the twos, threes, fours, fives, like this is what we have this year. A bunch of really undesirable twos, threes, fours, fives, and sixes, which is why everybody is just hyper-focused on these ones and thinks the winner is going to come from that group. And I'm no different. Like you give me the ones versus the field, I would almost never take the ones most years. And I'm, I would take them in spades this year. I would only be that in the ones. Very interesting. We'll break down Arizona. We'll break down a couple of the top seeds in the Big 12, Kansas Baylor, get to Illinois as well. PJ Glasser, Ken Barkley, You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. Be right back. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Shoulder down is Neal. Up for Johnson and the reverse dunk off the pass from Larson. For Arizona, here comes Love. Uh Strong drive and throwing it down. Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. P.J. Glasser alongside Ken Barkley. I'm filling in for Nick Costos today on this Friday. We are on Stadium with you guys. You can go over to WatchStadium.com. Check us out over there. We're going to continue going through Lockatology. Our guy Noops is going to join us at 5 o'clock Eastern time, so we'll take a little break from College Hoops and talk about the NBA with Noops. A uh, reminder, though, along with Stadium, you can watch us on Sirius Channel 160, Sirius XM, 205. Also, you can go to twitch.tv slash BeckQL and YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports. Ken, in this region, the intersection of sports and pop culture, Arizona is the one seed. And you said it as we were heading to break. Um, just kind of the other seeds, like the collection of two, three, four, seven, eight seeds uh, in this year's tournament. It's like, again, you don't want to bet the ones because only one time ever have all four one seeds made it to the final four, but it really does feel like there are there's separation this year from the top seeds and kind of everyone else. And you look at this region that we have where Arizona's the one, Northwestern and Texas would be the eight nine game, Dayton McNeese State, the five twelve, Illinois, Akron four thirteen, South Carolina, the six against Richmond the eleven, Baylor high point three fourteen, Colorado State, Virginia the seven ten, and Kansas Colgate the two fifteen. I mean, it it does feel like the path really sets up nicely for Arizona um, to to win this region. I mean, it's kind of hard to all these teams that feel like have major flaws, while certainly Arizona does, but obviously they have kind of the least amount of question marks around them. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, what this speaks to. So one thing I... uh... I haven't talked about yet. Excuse me. Sorry. So this is like a a new set of criteria. I looked at this. I think PJ, even after we did our show, like 10, 10, 13 days ago, whatever that was, the last time we did this exercise and we had a Colin Wilson from the Action Network came on our show and he, he said something really interesting about he was looking at like two and three man lineup combinations and, you know, like teams that go far. He wasn't looking at like winners, but he was just looking at like teams that went deep in the tournament. Sometimes they tend to pop and that they have like these multiple three-man combinations that are the best in the country. And his point was that he had kind of studied Florida Atlantic. And that was something that they had last year was they had a couple of these combinations that, you know, like per a hundred possessions, however he measured it, that like really stood out. And it, it kind of got me thinking that I never really do anything at the player level 
um, you know, it's, it's college basketball is a, a monster of a sport, right? There's like 355 teams, whatever it is in D1 right now. And, you know, a lot of getting a lot of the data in is really tough. It's like hard to measure player performance. Like in the NBA, we have <clears throat> all of these all-in-one metrics that are really good to uh, to like tell us that, you know, Jokic is the best player and SGA is the second best player and Giannis is the third. Like there's almost a uniformity to all of them. It makes you feel like confident when you're talking to your friends or whatever. And in college basketball, we don't really have that. Um, with like kind of one exception, like Evan Maya does a like a site that you can subscribe to that's like really, really good. And he, I won't like, reveal his proprietary stuff or whatever but he does individual player evaluation which i've like never looked at specifically for this exercise before and so what i did uh i'm kind of like always looking for new ways to to look at the tournament through like a different prism is i basically charted i think he has like 15 years on there or 10 years and i charted like the he does like a an offensive rating a defensive rating and a net rating for all the players on every team and i basically Mm -hmm. looked at like the top five players by all of his evaluations, both ends of the court and then net uh, on all the past champions and basically saw like, whether well, any common threads in terms of like how talented your roster has to be to win a national championship, to have that kind of a team, like what, and not, this isn't even like recruiting or how you're thought of. It's like actually how you're evaluating, like how you perform on the court. And when you do that and you kind of like, all right, you know, the Anthony Davis Kentucky year, they were really talented. This, this, and the, you know, you have all those players. The Duke team that won the national title with, uh, you know, what was that like? Julia Okafor and Justice Winslow and Tyus Jones, like those guys. Like you make a list of all the teams. UConn last year, and you're like, all right, like offense, defense, net, like best few players. Like you write down all the numbers, and then you use that as a filter for this year's teams. Who looks like those teams? Who's got the players that are playing at that level? And you get the same thing that we're talking about. You get the ones and you it's not that you get the ones because you're always going to get the ones every year. You get the ones and you get no one else. <laughs> you get no one else, which I think just speaks to like what we're talking about, the top heavy nature of this year. Like you can, you know, like Auburn's close and Duke is kind of close north carolina is actually not there right now marquette's not there tennessee's not there kansas isn't there illinois is not there iowa state's not there creighton on defense forget about it uh, the way some of these player evaluations work so you kind of like even the top teams you put through these filters and you just go every way i work the problem i get the same list and that's not maybe in on St. Patrick's Day on Selection Sunday I'll get a different list because we'll have different results and stuff can happen in conference play. We could have you know you're never rooting for injuries, but look they're a part of the game and in conference you know championship week like this is when Jalen Clark got hurt for UCLA last year and like really disrupted their chances to win. They were a team that I really like to win the national championship and that loss hurt for them and we see that kind of stuff all the time. Marcus Sasser for Houston entering the tournament last year maybe maybe they win the national championship if he's at 100 percent going into all those games. So it's going to happen. Maybe that's what disrupts this. Maybe there are some surprising results on the horizon that we can't see coming. But like, even because I was like, oh, I've never done player level college basketball for this exercise. Who's going to win the tournament before? And I was like, maybe it'll give me something new and different and like something that'll be interesting to compare to all the other stuff. And you just get the same damn list. I mean, you just get you get UConn and you get Houston and you get Arizona. That's who you get. (laughs) And you get Purdue a little bit. You don't get anybody else. Um, and it's just like a byproduct of how the teams have played so far this year. So usually you you would think you'd get, oh, well, like, I didn't think about it before, but here's, 
you know, Iowa State, like they're kind of looming as this, like it just, every way you work the problem, I get the same answer. And and to spin it back to Arizona and the region we were just talking about, like that means I'm going to like them against all these teams. We'll see how they get rated in the market for those games, but I'm going to like them against all those teams. You know, it's funny. I think last time when we spoke, Illinois was a team that kind of both intrigued us a little bit just because of their offense. And personally, I like the fact that their four best players were all seniors. I love their backcourt of Terrence Shannon Jr. and Marcus Domas. But, Ken, their defense has gotten so bad over the last couple of weeks. I think when we last spoke, their defense on Kempom was like in the 40s, maybe the 50s. Now it's all the way up to 95 um, and their offense is like really, really good, but that's a team that I have uh, certainly soured on a little bit. And as I mentioned last segment, you know, if they do end up going against Akron, that'd be awesome because uh, the head coach of Akron used to coach at Illinois, Jim Gross. So that uh, that could be a fun game. And it's one of those awesome tournament like contrast style games. Illinois, great offense, loves to push the tempo. Akron wants to slow it down and play a defensive minded game. So uh, that could be good. I'm, I'm kind of done with Illinois, though, to be honest with you. Right. Kansas, <laughs> okay. I, I have Kansas. I have never been on like at all. Um, and now that McCuller is banged up. And they're saying, like, he might not be back until the tournament, and he might not play in the tournament. Like, you just watch him the other night against BYU, and they just struggle to score. Um, they, they just don't have enough guys that can go, like, get him a bucket, and they don't have much depth. They don't shoot the three well. They struggled from the three throw, uh, free throw line immensely in that game against BYU. Um, so I'm just – I'm not big on Kansas. I think they're the 2C that you're kind of hoping for in your region – the team that I'm kind of getting intrigued by is Baylor a little bit, especially if this is their draw. Like if South Carolina, Richmond's the 6'11", Colorado State, Virginia's the 7'10", Kansas is the 2, I certainly could see a Baylor-Arizona Elite Eight. And then, you know, one game, winner take all, and that kind of setup, I, I certainly think Baylor could win that game. They got pros, Jacoby Walter, Jalen Bridges, Ray J. Dennis is a really good guard. Scott Drew's obviously won a national championship. So Baylor's a team, their defense is starting to get a lot better. They's, they've always had the offense, but their defense is starting to get a little bit better. Um, and just this draw that that they get in the bottom half of this region, um, I, I like a lot. It's kind of funny that they do play Kansas tomorrow, so we'll see how that game goes. But I, I, we talked about it. Like, Washington State and South Carolina, to me, are just identical. Like, it's the same. Those are the same six seeds. So I'm looking forward to fading South Carolina. Um, I mean, Virginia is, like, you know, maybe at most – they'd win one game. Colorado State could be a little bit intriguing just because they have one of the best guards in the country in Isaiah Stevens. I've always liked their coach, Nico Medvedev, um, which which is interesting. But I, uh, I think that sets up really well for Baylor. And sure. I could potentially see myself putting Baylor in the Final Four, possibly, if this is their region. Yeah, there's a couple things I'd uh, I'd point out, and then I think this I think I'm I'm good. With it. We spent a lot of time on that first region. This region, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I like Arizona a lot. Here's a couple other things that are interesting, which is fine. Like we're not going to do an hour on every region, um, and Yukon's region is way more interesting. Also, Yukon's in it, and they're the best team, so they're more interesting for that reason too. Uh, a couple things I would I would point out to people, and uh, Mike, throw the bracket back on the screen just for a second. Uh, 
the six eleven here you you gravitated toward and not like I went to Richmond, but that has nothing to do with this. Like South Carolina, Richmond, we did the six eleven in the previous region, which Mike, I do not need you to put on the screen, so don't scramble. Uh, which is the winner of the play in with like Gonzaga and Providence against uh, who was the six in that? It was like uh, I gotta have to Washington look it up State. now. Washington State, thanks because you just made that comparison and. The something that comes through every single tournament, and I think like people who know about the tournament know this, but just to really point this out, and we have two of them already, <clears throat> the 11s are just a remarkably consistent record of outperforming expectation in the NCAA tournament. Like the best records, ATS straight up versus just what like ratings, who outperforms ratings the most, 11s and 12s every single time, and it's not even close, and 11s more than 12s. Like, a, a, you know, you're it's yeah, there's like a reliability and a stability and a consistency to just 11s playing really well. And I think what it's more about, and this is something that you talked about already, it's not even about who the elect because people are like, well, what's special about the 11? I think it's what sucks about the six seeds. That's always what it is to me. And with the fives, it's the same thing. Like it's, I actually don't think it's that the 12s are this really special team. I think it's that the fives are just this lukewarm pretty good in their conference ranked 24th in the country meh kind of a team and the sixes are the same i mean they're the same group of teams one could be a five one could be a six and the 11s you're actually playing a better quality competition so if you're like well why do the 11s and 12s do so well you could say it's because like small schools that have been all in for a month to get to the tournament and they're well coached that's probably part of it but we've seen 12s win that honestly i didn't even think were that good but I thought the five was terrible and I thought the five was going to lose to a lot of teams, you know, was a good way to think about it. This wasn't a five twelve, but like was Furman really awesome last year, or is it just that you always want to bet against Tony Bennett in the NCAA tournament and Furman just happened to be the team that was sitting there that got the crazy turnover and made the three and ended up beating Virginia, you know, like you could, and you could play this out with any number of teams, like a bunch of five twelves and six elevens historically, you know, like I, I still remember the night that Virginia lost to UMBC, which is like the one sixteen that everybody remembers. Obviously, the first one, the night that that game happened, uh, in Vegas, and there's you know the games are up. I think I was I went for a walk because I I was sweating hard. The game that was on at the same time as Virginia UMBC, which was a six eleven between TCU and Syracuse, and this was like an, another classic thing. Like I didn't like Syracuse. They were three and a half point dog in the game. I didn't like Syracuse, but I hated Jamie Dixon and TCU in the NCAA tournament. And I, whoever they drew, I was on the opposite side because I thought they were a terrible team that was going to get a ton of market respect, which they did. They closed a big favorite in that game, more than a possession. They lost outright. And uh, so I, I think, you know, like even looking at you brought up South Carolina, the 6-11, we'll do people 5-12 upsets. We've done those already on this show. Why do they happen? Sure. Like the 11 and the 12 can be a good team and you can like them and all this stuff. I would just almost encourage you more than that to look at the opposite side and be like, who, who's the team where I don't even care who the 12 is. Like I want to be against that team because they're so mediocre. Yep. We did that with Alabama earlier. You know, I agree with you. And I'm doing that with Kansas as the two seed. You know, whoever wins that 7-10 game, if Kansas is a two, whoever, you know, if they're a three seed, whoever wins that 6-11, I I kind of want to fade them. It's a good point, though. And, uh, yeah, South Carolina is a team I would fade. Dayton, I got to say, I do feel bad for, and I think it would be really interesting to see them with Malachi Smith, who's one of their better players. He's their point guard. He's out for the season because they do have one of the best players. Their big man, Deron Holmes, is an absolute monster. Great three-point shooter in Kobe Brea. 
Um, but Anthony Grant is another one of those coaches that it's like in a matchup like this, you know, Will Wade against Anthony Grant, like that's a big coach coaching mismatch for me. And uh, McNeese would certainly be interesting in that game. But yeah, I, I mean, Ken, honestly, if we're looking at this region, I think it sounds you like Arizona? Going Arizona. Yeah, I think Baylor would be my pick. Sure. If I didn't yeah. how about this, if I didn't pick Arizona, because I didn't really answer your Baylor question, but like I, I think they're they're in kind of a second or a third tier right now, but I agree with you that they're very interesting. If I didn't pick Arizona, I would pick Baylor, and after that I don't even know who I would pick. So there's I'll Agreed. I will give credit to Baylor in that way as like the second the second team that could maybe win the region if Arizona stumbles, if Tommy Lloyd's actually a terrible tournament coach. Completely agree. Our next region D Gen corner is a good one. Purdue, Kentucky. Creighton, Iowa State, North Carolina. Break that down next. You Better You Bet presented by BetMGM. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet presented by BetMGM (laughs) on the BetQL Network. They leave Morton. He finds Heaney. Good decision. Back to a five-point game. Brayden Smith on the drive. Yes! Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Big Ten Network there with the call. PJ Glasser, Ken Barkley, You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MGM. We're wrapping up hour number two. We are on Stadium. You can go to watchstadium.com to check us out over there. Continuing our Lockatology talk. And uh, Noops, our guy, will join us at 5 o'clock Eastern time start of the next hour we're also on twitch.tv slash betql youtube backslash odyssey sports series channel 160 and series xm 205 if you want to join us and listen along over there as well but uh ken over the break you were telling me that you had a uh, question for me i'm intrigued yeah. what do you got <laughs> well i just uh <laughs> we'll get back to like the bracket. we're kind of at the halfway point of uh, going through the bracket and we'll probably go a little faster through the next two regions just because of the amount of time we have left and want to do a couple other things I definitely want to get your thoughts on some of the Saturday games coming up tomorrow. We'll start to get markets opening for those those games coming up, eh, like now, actually, the next 15 or 20 mm-hmm. minutes. But we, you went to break uh, the last segment talking about Dayton in the, the region we just did. We, we don't have to talk about like the bracket or anything, but you mentioned that name, which that is, I'm sure we all have these. Like if you, if you bet long enough, you have these schools that like immediately bring back terrible betting memories for you, where like you see them seated on the line and you just go like, oh, God. Like, oh, not, oh, not again. Like, please, please no. And uh, everybody probably has a couple schools that they're immediately thinking about where it's like, no, like, not, not them. I'm not doing the same thing again. Um, man, after last year, I feel like Gonzaga is becoming one of those for me because they beat UCLA. But Dayton, I think, is responsible. There are two schools that are actually the answer to this. And, and it might be in the same, it's actually in the same tournament and it's back to back days. There are two schools that are responsible for, not the most amount of money I've ever lost on the NCAA tournament. Like, that's not how I would think about it. Like, the most depressed I was to lose a bet in the NCAA tournament. Could it be for any amount of money? Like, so you bet $5 a game and that's all you bet. Like, you're, you you lose, you're going to be depressed. Like, it's going to take it's gonna take a couple minutes to shake off that loss. Um, you know, and obviously, like, gamble responsibly, of course. But, like, we've all been there. Like, we've been on the opposite side of a, uh, somebody else's win is your, is your loss. Dayton is one of them. Day, I got, like, they... They're like the thorn in my side from forever ago. So I used to be 
a really bad sports better because I didn't bet very often. And I would only do it when we would like go to Vegas for the NCAA tournament. And so I would do what I think a lot of people probably still do now, which is that on any day of the tournament, I would put together like all the favorite money lines that I thought would win and I would parlay them. And I would be like, all right, that one seed with that one seed with that two seed with that two seed. I put a time all together. Great. Pays like two to one. Awesome. How, and it's the classic, like, how, how can I lose? Like, how can I do it? And this was, you'll, you might even remember the year better than I do. I want to say this was like 2013, one of those kind of years, like something about 10 years ago when uh, Archie Miller and Dayton made their run to the elite eight. Uh, and like, they were like one of the surprise kind of like stories of the NCAA tournament. They went on this great run. They beat Syracuse in a Saturday, like second round game. Uh, Syracuse's best player was Tyler Ennis. People remember him. Mm -hmm. And so they played in this game. And so I had, I had put together like all the favorite money lines that day. I remember who the first game, like, I remember the games that led into this game. I remember. Yeah. yeah, The first game was Aaron Kraft, Ohio state. That was uh no, that was the first game Thursday. That was the same tournament though. That was the first game okay. Thursday. That was and that was that, yes, that's their first opponent. But I, I mean yes. like on that Saturday, like the Saturday mm. that they didn't play, like when I took all the money lines, like where I had Syri- Syracuse was the last money line. Uh Florida was the number one overall seed. That was like Wilbekin, Patrick Young, like those guys. They won. Right. Somebody at like Duke one or something, somebody like somebody who's always good. And then it was like, all right, like, here we go. Like Syracuse for everything. And was like, basically watched it like through my hands, like just like as, and it was just never good. I think Ennis missed a shot at the buzzer that would have sent the game to overtime or something. Like when I, whenever, and Dayton doesn't make the tournament that often. Sometimes they do. When I see them on the line, any, and any tournament they make, it's like this immediate emotional response of like, I remember how that felt. I remember like, and I didn't bet a lot. Like, you know, when I was back at home, I wasn't betting. So like when you don't bet and then you bet and you lose, like you, you know, like it's like a visceral thing. Like you're not used to how it feels. So like, it's not something you would counter in your everyday life, putting money on something and then having it go the opposite way. Um, You know, it's just, it's just different. And I remember, I still remember how that felt like 12 years ago, whatever that was when, uh, when Dayton made that run, I was on the opposite side in like, and I was like, why did I even like Syracuse? I don't remember why I liked Syracuse. I was just like, ah, they'll win too. Throw, throw them in, (laughs) like whatever, no problem. Do you have a school that like break, like Dayton's Dayton and I have one other one too. Do you have a school where you're like, I always think about that bet when that school gets brought up? Missouri, always. Missouri, I had. I had them winning the title the year that they were the two C with like the Pressies and yeah. Kim English and, and they lost yep. to Norfolk state. And from then on out, I'm like, they are dead to me. Cannot stand Missouri. So anytime last year when they were in the tournament playing Utah state fade, I'll take Utah state gladly. You know, if they, if yeah. they continue to beat me, then so be it. That's my team. I so vividly remember that Syracuse Dayton game, though, that you were talking about. I think the reason you liked it so much, maybe I'm just making this up, but that game was in like Buffalo or Albany. Like it was yeah, like a home game for, yeah. for Syracuse. It was like, how is Dayton, this 11 seed out of Ohio, <laughs> going to go to Buffalo? Damn you, Buffalo. Syracuse yeah. is playing yeah. in front of 90% of their fans and they're going to lose. I remember that Dayton game and Ohio State too. Aaron Kraft, he went like the length yeah. of the floor and had like yep, a layup runner. that rolled like in and out. Yeah. It's funny. With the tournament though, Ken, more so I 
remember like the broadcasters. I have I feel like whenever Vern Lundquist called my first tournament game, it would always be bad for me. Like I always had a team that I would had go far in like the first three or four games of that Thursday, and Vern was always on the upset call of that game. He was on the call of Dayton and Ohio State. I had Ohio- Iowa State going to the Final Four of the year with George Niang when they lost to, like, UAB. Vern was on the oh, call for that one. One of the worst upsets ever. Like, one of the worst oh upsets. God. People go back. I would invite people. That might have uh, – that – so here's two things about – here's the, a rabbit hole of a rabbit hole. So that game occurred in the same time window as another huge upset that gets talked about Baylor all the time. Baylor and Georgia and they State. The yes. The R.J. Hunter yes. shot oh, against Baylor I had occurred in the State same window. That one, yes, that right. was awesome. That's that, and what that's times. the uh, that's the what Brian Anderson had the call right where it's like Ron Hunter has fallen off his stool for good reason, <laughs> you know, just like completely ridiculous. And uh, for people who don't know, like R.J. Hunter was like a pro level player. He ended up playing for the Celtics, makes a game winning shot. His dad was the coach and had like injured his knee and had to have a stool that he could like kneel on <laughs> on the sideline while the game was going on, and they were in a. They so that Baylor Georgia State was was that a four thirteen also just like Iowa State was. UAB was it was yep. right because I remember being like yep. two fours are going to lose from the same conference yikes Big Twelve so the yeah and that was early window Thursday or Friday I don't remember which weekday but it was early window because it was like I, was you, I remember talking to I was talking to my friends and we were like which one we we weren't sure both were going to lose we were like which one do you think is more likely to lose and we we both kind of like Georgia State too. That we were like yes, kind of they had they I had, had, they had a couple right. kind yeah. of pro quality players and we didn't like Baylor very much and uh but Iowa State I would invite people to go find the box score for that game that like Georgia State like they make the shot right like R J Hunter he's like a pro top of the key I remember uh God what's the guy uh Steve Lapis is the is the analyst on the game yeah it was and Catalan, he's like I think it was the broadcaster yeah I said Brian Anderson I think you're right I think it was Catalan and uh. And Lapis is, but Lapis is the analyst and RJ Hunter is like, like Georgia state's coming up the court. And I remember he's like, guys, what are you doing? Take a shot. There's nine seconds left. Yes. Like, what are you doing? And RJ Hunter just pulls and ever it's like, Oh, like it's unbelievable. And, uh, oh, but yeah. I remember being like, which, which one do you think is going to win? But the UAB Iowa state game that you referenced, it goes on at the same time as that game with Niang is like one of the worst basketball games I've ever watched. The final score was like 50 to 48. I mean, it was really like RJ Hunter won a game like Baylor lost, but like RJ Hunter won a game. UAB didn't win that game. (laughs) Like, like the game, the game just stopped at the end of 40 minutes. Like no one won. It was terrible. It was one of the worst games. Iowa state missed like every three. Uh, That's funny that that's like one of the first games that came up for you. So I'm telling you though, Vern and it just, for whatever reason, I feel like anytime I had equity in a team going deep in the tournament, he would always be on the call for their upset in the first round. And again, you talk about teams that kind of get hot at the right time, like Iowa State won the Big 12, and they were another one of those teams at an early exit. That uh, Maybe another team in this region could fit that potential profile as we go to D-Gen Corner. Purdue is the one seed going up against Fairfield. 8-9 matchup of TCU and Boise State. My favorite first-round matchup of this mock bracket that Ken made 
is in this region with Kentucky, Princeton, and the 512. To me, this is what college basketball is just all about. It's the pros of Kentucky versus like the Ivy Leaguers of Princeton. And I would bet Princeton plus six and a half in Moneyline, Ken, and it would be one of my biggest bets of the first round. We can dive into that game. Creighton against App State, 413. St. Mary's against the winner of Seton Hall and Wake in the 611. Iowa State, oddly enough, in the 314 against Louisiana Tech. What could go wrong? Utah State against Florida Atlantic in the 7-10. And then North Carolina, the two-seed against Oakland. Uh, I want to save Kentucky for the 520 yeah, segment sure. after we talk about noobs because I'm I'm sure we'll get into them a bunch. Purdue, we talked a ton about um, last time. We kind of have the same feelings about them. North Carolina and Iowa State, I think, are really intriguing, Ken, like two, three seeds. Both, both teams kind of feel like people have opinions towards both of them, whether good or or bad. It, it again, it feels like they're in like that Creighton kind of ilk with Tennessee of like, yeah, like they, they do certain things really well, but it's like, mm, can you get there with either team? Um, do you feel that way with either or Iowa State and uh North Carolina? I think uh I think I think about both teams differently. Iowa State okay. can have a remarkable season but I will never view them as a winner, like a team that can win the tournament. <clears throat> they can win. They can win four games. They can have a great run, probably just not talented enough and not like complete enough to win six. Carolina can win six. They just haven't shown it yet. <laughs> like, that, like I need a little more here in the next couple of weeks. I think they are a potential champion. The profile just kind of doesn't look like it so far. It's a, it could, they're, they're close, but they're not there yet. Really, really interesting region that we will get back to. Kicking off hour three, five o'clock Eastern, our guy Noops, betting analyst for BetUSA NBA and host of Hoops with Noops, going to join us next. You Better You Bet presented by BetMGM, PJ Glasser, Ken Barkley. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet presented by BetMGM <laughs> on the BetQL Network. <laughs> 